This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. This is Case Closed, back this Wednesday with another hour of mystery from the golden age of radio. Our first story this week comes from Boston Blackie. We'll hear the undersea murder from October 1st, 1946. After that, it's Stand By for Crime and The Sniper, an episode first heard sometime in 1953. I found it, Larry. I found it. You're not kidding, Bill. Are you sure? Positive. Don't get so excited. You stop pumping air to me down here. Keep your helmet on. I'll keep pumping. You sure it's the sunken ship we're looking for? We were looking for the Argus, weren't we? Yeah, but make sure it has the gold in it before we get too excited. Okay. Hey, give me a little more line. Yeah. There's a big gap in her side I can look into and see right into the hold. Okay, but be careful. Don't get caught in the current and lose your footing. Just keep my lines tight, and I won't. Keep pumping air. I'll pump you enough air for a month if you find that gold. Just enough for now, I'll do. Well, Bill, what goes? You see anything yet? See anything? I can see everything. Larry, there's more gold here than I thought was in the whole world. You found it, huh? I sure did, Larry. We're rich. <laughs> you mean I'm rich. What are you talking about? You'll know in a minute. Pull on your tow line. Huh? Pull on it, Bill. Okay, but... Hey, Larry, it's loose. Sure, <laughs> I got it loose. What's your idea? What? And here goes your airline, too, Bill. I'm cutting that. No, Larry, don't. No, you can't. You can't. I can't, huh? I already have. Oh, Larry, don't. I'm pulling out of here, but fast. As soon as I cut this phone line. Oh, Larry. So long, Bill, old pal. Larry. And now, on to Dick Calmer as Boston Blackie. Enemy to those who make him an enemy. Friend to those who have no friend. I know just how you feel, Sarah. Your brother was a swell guy. And believe me, there was nothing I could do to save him. I'm sure there wasn't, Larry. Honest, there wasn't. I was pumping air to Bill when all of a sudden the phone went dead. Then I saw bubbles on the water, and when I pulled on the tow line, it was limp. Something underwater must have cut the line. Yeah, I'm afraid that's what it was. Sarah, I want you to remember that Bill and I were partners. And Bill's death doesn't dissolve that partnership. You're in if I ever find that gold. No, I, I wouldn't want it. It'd remind me too much of Bill. I think you'd better go now, Larry. I think I... I'd rather be alone right now. Yeah, sure, sure. Anything you say. Uh, well, uh, so long, Sharon. And I'm sorry. It's all right. Bye, Larry. Hey, goodbye. Bye, Larry. I'll be seeing you. Yeah, sure, sure, kid. So long. <laughs> what are you bawling about, sis? Bill. Yeah, me all right. Came in the back way so nobody would see me. Thanks for feeling so miserable when Larry told you I was dead. It's very complimentary. Bill, it really is you. 
risked your life. Yeah, sure am, sis. And it was some story Larry told you about how I died. He thought you did die. What happened? What happened? Larry tried to kill me, and I'm alive now only because I'm a smart diver. I'm going to be just as smart a killer. Bill, don't talk like that. Why not? As far as anybody knows, I'm dead. So I'm going to kill the guy who tried to kill me. I'm going to get away with it, too. Boston Blackie? Yes, again. May I come in? Yes, with a capital, why not? Thank you. Blackie, I... Uh, Don't tell me. You're in trouble. Oh, you know someone who's in trouble, and you've come to me for help. Yes, Blackie. It's my brother. Well, what's he done? Swindled, embezzled, or murdered? He hasn't done anything yet, but he's going to kill a man. He is? When? As soon as he finds him. And he's going to get away with it, too. That's a popular misconception, Miss... Uh, Miss... uh... Bronson. Sarah Bronson. My brother's name is Bill. Bill Bronson, the diver? Yes. Oh, now, wait a minute, Miss Bronson. Your brother died this morning. I heard it over the radio not an hour ago. My brother's very much alive, Blackie. And it's because everyone thinks he's dead that he thinks he can get away with murder. Well, I have a hunch he's right, up to a point. Who was he going to kill? Larry Matthews, his partner. That wasn't an accident under the water this morning. Larry tried to kill Bill by cutting his line. Uh Uh-huh. So Bill wants to stay dead and get his revenge. I think you'd better go to the police, Miss Bronson. No, I don't dare. Why not? Bill's gone almost crazy after that experience this morning. He said he'd kill me if I went to the police. But he didn't say anything about going to you. I see. Well, I'll see what I can do for you. Whatever it is, you'll have to do it fast. Bill is... Excuse me. Hello. Hello, Blackie. This is Charlie Kingston. Oh, hello, Charlie. I'll call you back oh, in just a minute. Oh, this is serious, Blackie. I'm just keeping a promise I made to you. What promise? You know about never jumping into a new business deal without telling you what I've done? Well, uh, tell me about this one some other time, Charlie. Will you? I've got to keep a man named Larry Matthews from being killed. Did you say Larry Matthews? Yes. He's going to be killed? Good heavens, no. I, I won't have anyone murdered in any of my offices. What? He's downtown in my manager's office right now, and they just closed a deal for $100,000. What kind of a deal? A salvage job. I bought half interest in $2 million worth of gold, Matthews and Bronson, that dead diver found. I saw the chart myself. Look, Charlie, phone your manager and tell him to hold Matthews there. Bronson isn't dead. Matthews tried to kill him, and now the diver is out to kill Matthews. What? But I don't understand. Never mind what you don't understand. Phone your manager, tell him the whole story, and tell him to hold Matthews there. I'll get there myself as soon as I can. So that's what the score is, Miss Matthews. With... Oh, excuse me. Uh, sure, Mr. Walton. Walton speaking. Oh, Henry, this is Charlie Kingston. Oh, yes, Mr. Kingston. Look, is Larry Matthews there? Yes, he is. Good. Keep him there. And don't let him leave your office under any circumstance. Uh, what's the matter? His life is in danger. Somebody's looking for him to kill him. Boston Black, he'll be down there in a few minutes to take over. Now, wait for him. All right, but I don't understand. Now, don't try. Wait till Blackie comes and then get that chart from Matthews. I want that chart. Don't worry, Mr. Kingston. I'll get it for you. Bye. Goodbye. Anything wrong, Mr. Walton? Look a little pale. Nothing much is wrong, I hope, Mr. Matthews. That was my boss, Mr. Kingston. He wants me to keep you here in my office until Boston Blackie gets here. Why? Why? Because your life is in danger. Mr. Matthews, do you know of anyone who's trying to kill you? No. No one in particular. (laughs) But I'm not surprised my life's in danger. Yours would be, too, if you owned something as valuable as that shot of mine. Yes, yes, I suppose so. Well, we'll own it soon. Mr. Kingston asked me to be sure to get it from you. Well, you've given me your check. Come on down to my house at the waterfront and I'll give you the check. Mr. Matthews, I can't let you leave this office. Mr. Kingston's orders. 
Well, if you want that shot, you'll come and get it now. I want to close this deal and get rid of that shot. Aren't you afraid to go out on the street? <laughs> I'll take my chances. I got a gun right here, see? Come on, I want to get this deal over with. All right. I'm going with you. Just a minute. Hey, what are you taking out of that drawer? My gun, Mr. Matthews. If you're in danger, I'm in danger, too. Here's my house. Wait till I unlock the door, Walton. Sure. Well, so far, so good. We haven't seen anyone who even looked as if he wanted to kill you. <laughs> that doesn't make me a bit unhappy. Now, come on in. Oh, wait, I'll turn on the light. There. Now, come on in. I'll get you the chart. Okay. I never had enough money for a safe, so I always uh, get anything valuable under the floor. Let's see. Uh, loose board here is uh, my safety deposit vault. Here. Here's your chart right here. I'll see if I can get any, anything else now. Uh, Let's see how do you turn out the light. Oh, get dirty double-crosser, Waltham. You, you got me, but maybe one of my bullets got you, too. Hi, Blackie. Hello, Mary. You know, I've been waiting in this office for you for one hour. Well, I got here as quickly as I could, but I wasn't worried. I knew Matthews would be safe as long as you were here. Well, I'm here, but Mr. Matthews isn't. What? I hope I won't have to tell you a dozen times. Mr. Matthews went out with Mr. Waltham. But didn't Kingston phone here until... Excuse me. Kingston Enterprises, good afternoon. Well, this is Mr. Kingston. Let me speak to Mr. Waltham again, will you? Mr. Waltham's out, Mr. Kingston. Oh, I see. Oh, did he leave with Mr. Matthews and a Boston Blackie? Boston Blackie? No, sir, I don't even know him. I'm Boston Blackie. If that's Kingston, I'd like to talk to him. Oh, Mr. Kingston, Blackie wants to talk to you. Oh, by all means. Here you are, Blackie. Thanks. Hello, Charlie. Uh, Blackie, what's the matter down there? Where's Waltham and Matthews? Well, that's just what I want to ask you. Didn't you phone Waltham and tell him to keep Matthews here? Yes, the minute I was through talking to you. Oh, he isn't here now. What happened to you? And I hate to think what's going to... Uh, wait a minute, Blackie. Here's Waltham now. Good. Matthew's with him? Uh, no. Uh, good heavens, Blackie. Waltham's wounded. Badly? Uh, just a minute. Waltham, what happened to you? Here, I sit down here. I've been shot. I went with Matthews. I got shot. Well, Charlie. Uh, look, sit down. Uh, yes, Charlie. Blackie, yes. Uh, if Waltham can talk, put him on the phone, will you? Uh, all right. Uh, just a minute. Uh, can you talk, Waltham? Yes, I think so. Good. Here, I'll hold the phone for you. It's Boston Blackie. He wants to talk to you. Waltham, can you hear me? Yes, Blackie. Where's Matthews? Dead, I guess. I don't know. It happened too fast. Who shot you? I don't know. I couldn't see. It's too dark down there. Down where? In Matthews' house. We went there to get the chart showing where the gold ship was located. We were in the house when the lights went out. There, there were shots from the darkness. Matthews fell. I was hit, but I got away. Where's Matthews' house? On Wharf Street. Okay, I'll go down there and see what happened. Matthew still has the chart? Yes. Yes, he has. Well, maybe I can find it. Maybe I can find him. One thing I promise you, I'll find something. Well, I can say one thing for Wharf Street, Mary. It's not pretty, but the sea hair is wonderful. Smells fishy to me. <laughs> so does this little situation we're in. Mm. Well, the man at the fruit stand said this is Matthew's house, 219. Hmm. I don't see any signs of excitement. Maybe Mr. Waltham dreamed up his story about being shot. If he did, he dreamed up a bullet hole, too, Mary. 
And that's awfully realistic dreaming. Let's go in and see if we can find anything. All right. The lights are on inside. Let's have a look around. Okay. Search downstairs. There's nothing here. What's with you? Hey, Mary, that's Faraday. Hey, who is that? Keep looking, Rollins. I'll go out and see who it is. Blackie. You. Yes, Inspector. Me. And me, too. Uh, Don't remind me. Blackie's bad enough. Bad enough, Faraday. You mean good enough, don't you? Good enough for what? To tell you what happened here. A guy named Larry Matthews was killed. That's what happened here. We found his body inside. I suppose you know who killed him. Sorry to disappoint you, Faraday, but yes, I do know who killed Matthews. It was his ex-partner, Bill Bronson, the diver. Oh, hum. Want to hear more? Keep talking. You don't know how stupid you sound. Listen, Bill Bronson's sister came to see you today, didn't she? Yes. And you told her to come to see me, didn't you? Yes, but she wouldn't do it. Well, she changed her mind. Uh, women do that, you know. So? So, Blackie, you think Bill Bronson killed Matthews, huh? I know he did. How do you like that? Well, an hour before Matthews was killed down here, a cop arrested Bill Bronson uptown. And he's been in jail since. How do you like that? And now, back to Boston Blackie. When Bill Bronson, diver, found a sunken ship with its long-lost cargo of gold... His partner, Larry Matthews, cut his air hose and lines and left him for dead. But Bronson miraculously lived and swore vengeance on Matthews. The diver's sister, knowing of her brother's plan, came to Blackie for help. But before Blackie could get to Matthews, someone else got to him with a gun. And it wasn't Bronson, because Bronson was in jail. As we return to our story, Henry Waltham, who was with Matthews when he was shot, was having a bullet wound dressed by a doctor. Still hurt, son? Yes, it does, Doctor. You're lucky you're still alive. That bullet just missed puncturing your lung. Yeah. Yep. You'll have to take it easy for a while. Yeah. That dressing will do for now. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Doctor. Well, let's see how you respond to treatment before you thank me. Uh, here we are. Uh, what's your name, son? You, you have to know that? Yep. Okay. It's Waltham. Henry Waltham. Henry Waltham. Mm-hmm. And how did you get that bullet in you? I told you when I came in. It was an accident. I know. Now suppose you tell me the truth. Look, what's it to you how I got shot? You're a doctor, not a policeman. I know, but I have to report this to the police. You've got to report it? Oh, no. But it's the law. I'd lose my right to practice if I didn't... Well, you're going to lose a patient if you do. Lie down, son. You're still too weak to I'm get... I'm not too weak to get out of here. Oh, no, you don't. Oh, yes, I do. Here's something. Instead of your feet. Come back here, you. Come back. Oh, no. Operator, get me the police. I wonder when that diver's going to signal us, Blackie. He's been down there long enough to have found $10 million in gold. Well, I wish he'd find Waltham while he's at it, Charlie. Blackie, do you think Mr. Waltham killed Mr. Matthews? I don't know, Mary. Oh, Mr. Kingston! Mr. Kingston! Yes, Captain Arnold. The diver's found something down there, Mr. Kingston. What's talking? Well, thank you, Captain Arnold. A couple of extra earphones, Blackie. You and Mary might like to listen in. Thanks, Charlie. Oh, I'd love to. Just wait till I get mine on. Uh, okay, then. This'll be a great moment if he's found that gold. 
Uh, hello down there. This is Charlie Kingston. Sorry, Mr. Kingston. No luck here either. But Captain Arnold said you'd found something. Yes, but not a ship full of gold. Just the end of the sandbar. The drop-off so deep. My light won't hit the bottom of it. Well, I guess we're in the wrong place again. I'm afraid we are, Mr. Kingston. I wish you'd had a better look at that chart. I can't make many more dives today. I realize that. Well, come up and try just once more, will you? Sure. Once more. Oh, uh, Captain Arnold... Uh, have your men bring the diver up. He, we still haven't found the right place. Yes, sir. All right, men. Let's bring the diver topside. If he only brings down there, worth bringing up. Come on, Brady, you'll have to wait until you get that chart and find your gold, Charlie. But I may never get in Blackie. Remember, I only had a quick look at the chart. Oh, look, they're cranking the thing that brings the diver up. I'm going over there and watching some out of the water. Well, don't try to help anyone, Mary, or they may have to pull you out of the water, too. Okay, I'll be I think we'll try looking for the gold over there a few hundred yards. You're just wasting your time looking for it without that chart, Charlie. And I'm wasting my time out here, too. I ought to be looking for Waltham. You think he killed Matthews, do you? Well, I'm not sure. I'd hate to think that Waltham killed Matthews. You know, he said a third person entered the room just as the shooting started. I don't believe that story completely. That's why I want to find Waltham. All right, men. The diver's brought to the surface. Come aboard. You better step aside, lady. Oh, I'm sorry. All right. Better come over here by us, Mary. Oh, shucks. I wanted to watch him take the diver's helmet. Uh, he's going to go down again in another spot, Mary. Maybe you can watch then. Well, you can see him from right here now, Mary. Well, it isn't as good as being close, but... Oh, look. Look. He's up on deck now. He looks like the man from Mars, doesn't he? <laughs> yes, he does. Woo! All right, men. Dust the pumps. They've got his helmet off. Well, Mary, you saw them take the helmet off. Blackie, well, he... look. Look, there's an awfully big launch, and it's heading right toward us. Good night. The fool doesn't see us. Oh, it's all our engines in time to get out of his Wait. way. Captain Arnold! Captain Arnold! Hey. I see him, Mr. Kingston. He's going to crash into us. Oh, Hold on to me, Mary. Back! Follow with him! Tug, grab that gun and take it to the train! What do we do? Yell, everybody! It's the last time to swerve off! Yes, it's not right here. Come here, Mary. Stay close to me. All right, I will! <laughs> Is everybody all right? Well, I'm all wet. I think I'm all right. You all, all right, Blackie? Yes. I'm okay, but, but look, we're five or six miles from shore. I uh, I don't like this. See if anybody can grab a, a plank or something from the boat. Good idea. All your men all right, Arnold? Yes. Yes, Mr. Kingston. And here comes the launch. It looks like a police boat, too. See, it is a boat. Hello there. Hello. Save your breath, Charlie. They see it. They're swinging around to pick us up. Here they are. Here come the lifelines. They're ready to grab them. Okay. Here, Mary. You take this one. Oh, thanks. Well, look who's playing porpoise. If it isn't Boston Blackie. Faraday. <laughs> Haul him in, boys. All but that good-looking one there. He looks undersized to me. Haul me up, Faraday, or I'll haul you in here with me. What? When you know I can't swim? <laughs> That's why I'd like to have you in here. Here, Blackie. I'm aboard now. I'll take this rope of mine. Thanks, Charlie. Uh, you ready? Ready. Come on. Up you go. There you are. There. Oh, wow. Thanks, Charlie. You all right, Mary? Oh, 
sure. Just dripping a little, that's all. Well, there's some blankets in the cabin there, Miss Wesley. Better get into one right away. All right, I guess I better, thanks. I don't know what brought you out here, Faraday, but I'm glad something did. Well, I came out here just in time to see that guy Waltham ram your boat. Well, how didn't you, did you know it was Waltham, Faraday? Well, because a doctor reported treating his wound and told how Waltham slugged him and skipped out. Then the next report I got on Waltham was that he was seen getting into a powerboat in the harbor. Oh, Inspector Faraday. Yeah, Rollins, what is it? Just got a radio message from shore, Inspector. Yeah, so what? So we don't have to look for Waltham anymore. He walked into the 18th Precinct Station and gave himself up. <laughs> so you think Waltham rammed us, Inspector? Uh, okay, okay, I was wrong. I suppose you know who rammed you. I have a rough idea, and I think if I see Bill Bronson, I can smooth it out. Bill Bronson? What could he have to do with this? He's still in jail. Good. Let's go down and see him before he's released. Uh, What makes you think he's going to be released? You're going to release him. He still doesn't know that his ex-partner Matthews is dead, and uh, Faraday, before you let him out of jail, I'm going to let you in. some bad news for you, Bronson. I'm in jail, Blanky, and you say you have some bad news for me. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, but this isn't, Bronson. Hey, Faraday, you and Blanky got awful long faces. What's the matter? Your sister's dead, Bronson. Huh? Sarah's dead? Yes. Killed by the man who tried to kill you. Why, the dirty Matthews out. Wait, wait a minute. That won't do any good, Bronson. All we want you to do is give us all the information you can. We found your sister's bodies in Matthew's house. Do you know any reason why she would be down there? Yeah. Yeah, I know a reason, Blanky. Guess I'm it. What do you mean, you're it? Well, what am I in jail for? Because I said I was going out to kill Matthews for trying to kill me. Why? Well, I guess this went down there to kill him just to keep me from doing it. Only Matthew shot first. And that's enough of that, Bronson. Now, look, your sister's dead just because you wanted to take the law into your own hands. Now, if you've learned your lesson, I'll let you go free. Yeah, I've learned my lesson, Inspector. All right. Go home and be a good boy, because I don't want to have to teach it to you again. Let you out. Sarah, they told me you were dead. What? Yeah. Said Matthews killed you. I told him you went down there to kill him for me. You idiot, you stupid... Now, look, you don't have to get sore. I had no way of knowing that... I you... didn't have to get sore. I ought to kill you for what you've done to me. What have I done? What have you done? Because of you, you stupid fool, the police are going to be after me for murder. And why did I kill Matthews for you? You did not. It was your idea to kill him for the money and the charge. All right, it was my idea. And it was also my idea not to get caught. But you aren't caught yet. And I was tricked into saying that... Saying enough to send me to the electric chair. Everything was perfect, absolutely perfect, till you had opened your stupid mouth. Now, look, don't blame me off for this. Your plan wasn't perfect. Oh, wasn't it? Who'd ever guess I killed Matthews? Didn't I go to Blackie and warn him that you were going to kill Matthews? Didn't I go to the police and have them arrest you to keep Matthews alive? I know, I know all that. You know all that. Well, I know a lot more. After I took Matthews' chart, I risked my neck to keep Charlie Kingston from finding that gold. I rented a launch and rammed his boat. I did all that for us. And what did you do for me? Fall for a stupid trick. Now, look, I'll go back to the police and tell them I was lying about you wanting to kill Matthews. I'll... Why don't you tell us now, Branson? We're right here. 
Come on in, Blackie. Police. Stand where you are, Bronson. Uh, Rollins, go revive Miss Bronson. She's fainted. Yes, sir. Well, Faraday, happy now? Yeah, I'm happy, Blackie. I've got my killers. Sure you have. I made sure you would. Well, Inspector, you might as well take Bill Bronson downtown. He's so used to being underwater. Let's see if he's getting used to being under arrest. Hello down there. Any luck, diver? I'm coming to the hull of a ship now, Mr. Kingston. I'll let you know in a minute. Good, good. Well, we'll know in a minute, Blackie, if Inspector Faraday got the right chart from Miss Bronson. Right. Waltham feeling okay, Charlie? Yes, fine. But he feels like a fool for losing his head and running out on that doctor. He, he doesn't know what made him do it. Oh, I suppose he was afraid the police wouldn't believe his story about how Matthews was shot. Hello there, Mr. Kingston. Oh, it's the diver. Uh, yes, diver? I found it, Mr. Kingston. Of it. Oh, you found the gold? Yeah, but I have. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Uh, Blackie, Mary, he, he found the gold. Wonderful. Well, that's fine, John. Well, aren't you excited? It's two million dollars in gold. I, I'm a rich man. You've been a rich man for years, Charlie. Just how rich can you get? After all, what difference does two million make to a man who already has 20 or 30? Do, do you know something, Blackie? What is it, Charlie? I never thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Chuck Morgan, newscaster at Station KOP here in Los Angeles. You know, there's nothing that strikes terror to the heart of a city more than the knowledge that there's a maniacal killer at large. Especially one who kills just for the sake of killing, with no apparent motive or reason. Now, we had one here in L.A. a while ago. The press dubbed him the sniper. Used a rifle to pick off his victims from dark alleys or upstairs windows or even automobiles. Five murders were credited to him without the police getting an inkling as to his identity. And it was at this point that the guy began warning his victims. He'd make a phone call and say, You're next. And hang up. Sure, the police gave the warned victim protection, but you can't assign a couple of cops to standing guard over a man forever. This the sniper knew. He'd merely wait until the cops were called off the job, even if it took six months, and then crack down. Well, this was a deal that I was thinking about last Tuesday. I was sitting here in my office, mulling over the situation, when my blonde secretary, Carol Curtis, came in with some stuff. Hi, Chuck. Hi. Here's the stuff on the mayor's talk last night. I'll leave it in the basket. Okay. Hey, what's the matter with you? Oh, this sniper gag is getting me down. Yeah, it's pretty serious. Let's see, that blonde girl who was shot last week made the tenth victim, didn't she? Yeah. And her warning came in four months ago. Well, one thing you can say about this sniper, he's got patience. He's got more than patience. He's got the cunning of a warped brain, the heartlessness of a man who doesn't know the meaning of human emotions. You think he's nuts, huh? Sure he's nuts. All his predecessors were nuts, like Jack the Ripper and all the others. You know, honey... The trouble is, there's a type of insanity that only a psychiatrist would recognize. Criminals like the sniper are the most dangerous. 
Mm. The police are taking an awful beating from the taxpayers. I know. I talked to Bill Meggs down at headquarters yesterday. He's about ready to throw in the sponge. He won't. Bill talks about quitting, but he never will. Oh, doggone it, Glamour What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Now listen, Chuck. If you begin sticking your chin out on this, I'll, I'll divorce you. I absolutely refuse to give you a divorce until after we're married. Hmm, very funny. Okay, so I'll break our engagement. Uh, 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 we aren't engaged. We are, too. You proposed to me two weeks ago, and I accepted. Oh, that. It's official and final, and there's nothing you can do about it. I'm even making payments on a ring which Pappy Mansfield has agreed to deduct from your salary. He what? Well, you certainly don't expect me to be engaged without a ring. Oh, do you want it to become known around town that Chuck Morgan is a chief? I give. Answer the phone. Chuck Morgan, you don't seem to realize that... Answer the that... phone, I said. Oh, all right. Ring. Chuck Morgan's office. Who? Chuck, hmm? it's the sniper. Give me that phone. Morgan speaking. I see. Now listen up. Chuck, what did he say? He said just two words, Glamour Puss. You're next. Looked like I was going to stick out my chin on this deal, whether I wanted to or not. Now I knew how those other victims had felt when they heard the warning come to them over the phone. It wasn't a pleasant feeling. You thought of yourself walking along a street some night and hearing the bark of a rifle, feeling the impact of a bullet between your shoulder blades. You wondered what night it would be. And you thought of all the nights in between before it happened. And you wished you were a million miles away living in a desert island. The voice that came to me over the phone was neither young nor old. He could have been 16 or 60, but it didn't matter. What he said was what mattered. And the implication of it was still ringing in my ears when I hung up the phone. Chuck, this is horrible. It's awful. All right, don't get excited, Glamour Plus. I'm not dead yet. Well, you will be. All of the others are. Every single one of them. <laughs> That's a cheerful picture. Oh, I'm sorry. Only I couldn't no, bear no, it. No, no, any... no, wait. Let's cut out being so morbid and do some constructive thinking for a okay. change. Okay. Do you remember Danny Yates? Oh, sure. He was a little bookmaker, a couple of racketeers framed for a job he didn't do. That's the one. And you saved him from a five-year stretch by proving him innocent. Right. Now, our first move will be to go down and have a talk with Danny. Are you crazy? Huh? The only place we can find Danny Yates is on Skid Row. And Skid Row is where the sniper hangs out. Oh, that's only theory, Glamour Nobody knows where the sniper hangs out. Besides, it's the last place he'd expect to find me. Come on, come on, come on. Get your bonnet. a theory about our friend the sniper. You know, usually guys like him followed a pattern. The pattern stemmed from frustration. Killing was a release to the same pent-up energy that warped their brains. And because of this frustration, they all had the same weakness, a desire for recognition, all of which didn't prove anything. But if Danny Yates reacted the way I hoped, I might get a lead. It was getting dark when Carol and I reached Skid Row. The place hadn't changed much since my last visit. Skid rows never do, except to grow bigger. I still don't see why you didn't tell Bill Meggs and get some police protection. If I had, they wouldn't let me come down here. But that's what I mean. Oh, I hate this place. Then why did you come? Well, if you're going to be shot in the back, I want to be on hand to catch the body when it falls. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you're a cute kid, Glamopus. 
Well, here's the joint. Joint is right. Ooh, what crummy-looking characters. The time has come for you to stop talking, Lamapus, so shut up. Oh, sometimes I wonder why I don't hate Shh. you. Well, let's take a look around. Yeah, yeah, there's Danny at the corner table over there playing his usual game of solitaire. Come on. The black six goes on the red seven, Danny. Now, look, who's playing... Uh, hello, Morgan. Hi. What's on your mind? Social visit, Danny. Mind if we sit down? Ah, go ahead. How about uh, buying us a drink? Sure. What do you have? Smirnoff vodka and soda for me. How about the chick? The chick isn't drinking. She's particular. Now, listen, glamour, puss. Don't blast her out, Morgan. She's cute. Mm, that's what Chuck just told me. And you can both keep your compliments. Hey, Mike. Yeah, Danny. Uh, two Smirnoffs and soda. All right. Uh, what's it all about, Morgan? Want a tip on a horse? Yeah. The 11th race is coming up, Danny. The horse's name is Sniper. Ah. There ain't no such horse. Oh, yes, yes. He's been running a lot of dead heats lately. What do you think his chances of losing the next one are, Danny? I don't know what you're talking about. Here's your drinks. Yeah, put them on my tab, Mike. Okay. Danny, you have the reputation of being an honest bookie. You always pay your debts. And you figure I owe you something? Five years is a long time to be locked up for a man who likes his freedom as much as you. Yeah. This tip on your horse kind of important to you personally, Morgan? Practically a matter of life and death. I get it. Uh, wait here. Right. I didn't know you were so good at double talk, Chucky boy. Shh, shh. Danny prefers it that way. Well, you're not silly enough to think that he or anyone else down here actually knows the identity of the sniper, do you? Nobody down here wants to know the sniper's identity. Then they can't talk. Well, suppose he began sniping at some of the local characters. <laughs> You'd be surprised how quickly he'd be found out. Uh, you got a pencil and paper, Morgan? Mm, right here. All right. Write down this number. 222 Front Street. There's a chick lives there named May. She's got a kid brother named Tony. Kind of a wild kid. Likes to play horses. Uh, got it. Danny, your pal. Uh, step it, Morgan. Uh, by the way, you figure we're square now? The slate's wiped clean, Danny. Thanks. Front Street was an alley that divided a city block. A street light burned in the end we entered. The buildings on either side were old and seemed to be mostly deserted. Our shadows marched ahead of us as we advanced into the gloom. A figure peered out at us from the darkness of a doorway. We heard the step and whirled around. But whoever it was must have gotten cold feet when he saw my hand reach toward a pocket. Footsteps pounded away down the alley. I began to wish I hadn't let Carol come with me. Then I remembered what an important role she was playing in this drama. Much more than even she suspected. We stopped before a door. I lit a match. Saw that it was 2.22. Well, this is it. May and her brother must like to live away from things. Uh, low rent is probably the answer to that one. Now look. Mm -hmm. After we've talked to May a few minutes, I want you to remind me of something. For instance? Well, make it go something like this. 
Hey, Chuck, don't forget that you're meeting Danny Yates at the corner of Wilshire and Rossmore at 11.30. Got to stop me if I'm wrong, but, but didn't we just leave Danny Yates? Well, you do as I say and don't ask questions. Oh, okay, okay. Well, suppose May isn't home. We'll just have to think of... The girl who answered the door was the homeliest female I'd ever seen. She had a horse face and buck teeth. Her skin was pockmarked and her eyes were crossed. Then we got another shock. She spoke, and her voice was the antithesis of her looks. It was low, resonant, and rich. Yes? Are you May? Yes, I am. Won't you come in? Thanks. I suppose you're the police. What makes you think that? I knew it was bound to happen sooner or later. You're after Tony, aren't you? I suppose you have a warrant. Tony, your brother? Yes. What do you think he's done? I don't know. Will you wait here a minute, please? Tony? Yeah? You come here a minute, please? Hey. Who's the broad? That'll be enough, Tony. No kidding, sis. She's got class. Introduce me, will you? They're from the police, Tony. Are you kidding? This babe ain't no cop. Hey, how about it, chick? If you don't mind, I don't like being poor. Oh, don't be so hard to get along with. I go for blondes. Honest, I do. Keep your hands off her, son. Well, listen to him. She your special property or something? Could be. Let go of her. Sure I will. And just what do you think you're going to... Punk! <laughs> I'm going to do this about it. <laughs> I'm sorry, May, but... Your brother doesn't seem to have any manners. He's always been that way. I'm glad you hit him. He deserved it. Tony's all the family I have, and I, I try not to blame him too much. Oh, you poor kid. Here, sit down. Thanks. Oh, oh my jaw. What happened? He ran into something that didn't agree with you. Get up on your feet. Oh. Now sit down on that chair and behave yourself. Keep your hands off me, jughead. So you're a cop, huh? Well, you ain't got nothing on me. Nothing. I don't imagine it'd take very long to get something on you. But since I'm not a cop, we'll skip it for now. You're not from the police? No, I'm Chuck Morgan, newscaster in KOP. This is my secretary, Carol Curtis. Oh, then Tony hasn't gotten into trouble again. That's a matter of opinion. Oh, thank goodness. Lately, every time there's been a knock at the door, it's been someone looking for Tony with a complaint. Oh, well, you quit your blubbering, sis. I ain't done nothing. If you're Chuck Morgan, what are you doing here? Came down to see a friend of mine, Danny Yates. He gives me tips on horses. Someone at the saloon said I might find him here. Well, he ain't here. So I see. Well, what difference does it make, Chuck? What? Say, didn't you leave word to have Danny meet you at the corner of Rossmore and Wilshire at 11.30? Yeah, but meeting him here would have simplified his matters, that's all. All right, let's get going. May, I, I'm sorry if we troubled you. Oh, it's all right, Mr. Morgan. I'm just glad that Tony hasn't done anything wrong, that's all. Well, I wouldn't count on that too much, May. Kids like Tony usually wind up behind bars. They get ideas. They get away with one or two jobs and think they're smarter than the cops. But it never works out that way. A fact that Tony, I believe, is going to find out sooner than he thinks. Well, I'd been shooting arrows into the air all evening without knowing for sure where any of them were going to fall. I'd learned a couple of things for sure and was guessing at a lot more. Everything now depended on who was listening to my 11 o'clock broadcast. Carol and I got back to the studio about 10.30 and found Pappy Mansfield, owner of KOP, waiting for us. 
Hi, Peppy. Say, where in the devil you two been? Huh? Don't you realize you've got an 11 o'clock broadcast? No, 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 Pappy. It's only 10.30, plenty of time. Plenty of time, my foot. There's all that wire stuff that's got to be gone over and the script written. Carol, you get into the newsroom. No, 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 wait a minute. Hold it, Glamour Puss. We can forget the wire stuff tonight, Pappy. Carol and I have dug up a better yarn. Mmm, that's really a honey, Pappy. Wait till you hear it. It better be good. Well, what is it? Your favorite newscaster had a call from the sniper tonight. What's news about that? There's a lot of people that forget... What? You mean the sniper called you? Right. I don't believe it. He wouldn't dare. Don't be so sure, Pappy. I'm no different than anyone else. If the sniper wants to call me, he has every right in the world to call me. Chuck, this is serious, my boy. You act as if you're delighted at the prospect of being shot in the back. Well, that's what I've been telling him all evening. Only he won't listen. Ah, Pappy, I'm delighted about two things. First, this is going to be a knockout of a story for my broadcast tonight. And second... It's going to be the end of the sniper. I suppose you figure that when your dear public learns their favorite newscaster has been picked for elimination, they'll demand that the sniper give himself up. And he'll do. Amounts mm, to the same thing, I hope. You sound pretty sure of yourself. I'm just whistling in the dark, Pappy. I'm really scared stiff. You would be too, Pappy, if you knew somebody was going to shoot you in the back. Well, you don't have to apologize for him, Carol. Have you notified the police? Well, he wouldn't let me. Instead, we took a trip down to Skid Row. Chucky boy got a tip on a horse race. Then we called on May. Oh, it was loads all of right, fun. All right, all right, Glamour Puss. Your sarcasm isn't helping the situation. Pappy, look, as usual, I've got to ask you to give me a hand in this. How about it? Well, you know you can count on me, Chuck. But first, I'd like to have you cut out all this double talk and bring me up to date on the facts. I know you've been up to something. Now, what is it? Good. Carol, get into the office and start knocking out tonight's script while Pappy and I go into a huddle, hmm? Okay. But just remember, I'm in on this, too. Pappy, the first thing I want you to do is call Bill Meggs at headquarters. Tell him that I'm... I did my broadcast as per schedule, making a big thing of the fact that I was next on the sniper's list. The telephone began ringing almost at once, and Carol had a time of it, assuring everyone I had ample police protection, and for the time being, at least, was safe. Well, Carol and I left the studio a few minutes after 11.15 and drove out Vine to Rossmar. Just beyond 6th, we parked the jalopy and walked up towards Wilshire on the west side of the street. We came to a driveway with a hedge and stopped in the shadows. Wait here a minute, Glamour Puss. I'll be right back. Where are you going? Keep your eye on the corner up there and don't move. Okay. I went up the drive and around the garage and checked on the street in the next block. Then I came back to where Carol waited. Anything happen? Well, a car just drove up and parked beyond the bus stop on Wilshire. The car Carol pointed out was an old convertible. The top was up, but there was no glass in the back window. It was headed west. Anyone sitting inside had a clear view over the benches that were placed at the bus stop. I wasn't sure, but I thought that the convertible's motor was idling. Chuck, look at the crowd gathering the bus stop. Gee, that's an awful lot of people to be waiting for a bus at this time of night. I hope the sniper, if he's waiting in that convertible, doesn't think so. He might get suspicious. Suspicious of what? Most of those people are cops. It's all part of the plan. What plan? Why aren't I in on it? You're in on it more than you think, Glamour Now I'll tell you all about it in the morning. Why, you... Do you mean I've been a guinea pig all evening? Mm-hmm. More or less. Now listen, will you stop asking questions? Okay. And maybe I'll tell you what's going to happen. Oh, you're better. Look, in a minute, Danny Yates is going to come walking up Wilshire towards a bus stop. Uh-huh. He'll mingle with the crowd. 
A minute after that, the bus will come along, and everyone will get on but Danny. Well, what'll he be doing? He'll be left sitting on the bench alone. A perfect target for the sniper. Who's in the park convertible? Yes, well, at least that's what we're going to find out. If he is, he'll probably take a shot at Danny and then head up Wilshire. Now, unless I miss my guess, he'll turn right on Muirfield to get out of the traffic. Well, wait a minute. There's something cockeyed here. Why is the sniper going to snipe at Danny Yates when you're his boy? Muirfield Street makes a turn after it leaves Wilshire and swings back to Rossmore. Now, I'm counting on the sniper not knowing that because there's a police blockade over there right now. Which doesn't answer my question. Why is this... Keep quiet. Here comes Danny. Danny came briskly up to the bus stop, timing his arrival with the arrival of the bus itself. He mingled with the crowd, and for a minute I lost him. Then the last of the people got on. The bus swung away, and Danny was left sitting alone on the bench. Then something happened I hadn't counted on. The bus, as it passed the park convertible, began to backfire. I glanced at it and then back to Danny. Danny was gone. But I could see one of his legs sticking up over the back of the bench. Then Carol yelled. The convertible, Chuck, it's moving away. Wait here, Glamourpuss. I ran up the driveway, cut across a patch of lawn, and followed a five-foot fence. I landed on my hands and knees, just as a pair of headlights swung around the corner of Muirfield. It was a convertible. And the driver saw the blockade of police cars at the moment I was getting to my feet. It slewed into the opposite curve with a squealing of brakes. The door opened, and a figure got out and sprinted across the lawn. I followed. The figure disappeared around the house. Light sprang out on the house. Their reflection showed me a shadow climbing over a back fence. I took a running jump. The two of us landed on the other side at the same time. Something swished through the air, and I caught the gleam of a rifle barrel. The blow struck me glancingly, and I went down. I saw the rifle barrel coming again, and I made a lunge for the guy's legs. I hung on for dear life, dodging his blows with the rifle till my head had cleared. Then I reared up and dumped the guy. I grabbed him by the shirt front, pulled him into me, and then I gave him a hard right. And he crumpled up like a coat dropped from a hook. Well, mister, I guess this is the end of the trail. Chuck! Chuck Morgan, where are you? I must have gone over the fence. I'm over here, Pappy. I got out my lighter and knelt down and pulled out the guy's hat. A mass of hair spilled out from under that hat. The face that was revealed by the rays from my lighter was pockmarked and ugly. It was a face of May. You all right, Chuck? Sure. Sure, I'm fine. Uh, so that's the sniper, eh? Well, he... Ha Holy smoke! It's a girl! It's a girl, Pappy. What a lousy break life gave her. Yeah, and what a lousy break she gave all her victims. Uh, I don't mean it that way, Pappy. I was thinking of something else. Oh, you were? What? Don't think you'd understand, Pappy. But remind me to tell Carol to congratulate herself the next time she looks into a mirror. Carol and Pappy and I dropped into Nicodell's for a beer and a sandwich before saying goodnight. Seemed good to see some bright lights and pleasant faces again. To know when I parked my car in the lot behind my apartment house later on, I wouldn't have to worry about a sniper peering through the sights of a rifle at my shoulder blades. I knew that Carol and Patty had a lot of questions they wanted answered, and that neither of them was too happy about the way I'd handle this affair. Now, let's see. 
We don't want to offend this mighty genius, Pappy. But wouldn't it be just dandy if he broke down and told us the secret of his great success? It would indeed, my dear. It uh, would indeed. Now, look, I was only doing my duty as a good citizen and as a news reporter. <laughs> well, why don't you let me in on it? Yeah, and me. All right, all right. Here's the way it was. In the first place, I figured out this frustration angle. It had to be someone like me. Only, of course, I thought it was a man. Well, think of that. The great mind made a mistake. You see, May was enjoying her publicity. Even though she remained anonymous, it was the only recognition she had in her life. So when I announced over the air tonight I'd received a warning from the sniper, it burned her up to think that someone else was stealing her stuff. Someone else? Yeah. Glamour puss. Yeah? You didn't actually think that the sniper had called me, did you? Well, why shouldn't I? Yeah, who was it then? It was Danny Yates, Pappy. No. You see, Danny had been wanting to repay me for the favor I'd done him, so I gave him his chance. He pretended to be the sniper for Carol's benefit. Then he pretended that he was giving me a tip on the races for Carol's benefit. Then I let May know I knew Danny Yates. At 11, I broadcast the fact that I'd been warned. May heard the broadcast. She put two and two together. She figured it was Danny who was trying to muscle in on her act. Chuck Morgan, do you mean that all the Look, time I... I had to do it, Glamour Puss. Uh... If you thought I'd been warned by the sniper, Pappy, Bill Meggs, and everyone else would be convinced. I had to make the whole thing look like for real. Neither one of you would have helped me with a crazy idea like this if you thought I was pretending. And who was that sitting on the bench at the bus stop? That was a dummy, dressed up to look like Danny. Pappy helped with that. Oh. Danny himself boarded the bus, got in with the crowd, crouched down, and rode away. Oh, I don't know whether to feel mad or glad that the big lug's alive. Pappy, what would you do? Why don't you just order another beer and forget the whole thing? I'll tell you what I'd do, Carol. I'll tell you, I'd skip a couple of payments on your ring that he's paying for. Mm -hmm. Now, that ought to fix you, hasn't it? Oh, Pappy, that's a wonderful idea. That's just what I'll do. Then he'll Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, I didn't order any ring. On my salary, I can't afford to have a ring. That's Case Closed for this week. There's more Boston Blackie standby for crime. Past episodes of this podcast and all the others at relicradio.com. Also find our Shoutcast stream there up and running. Lots to listen to, all for free, thanks to your support. If you'd like to help out, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website. Your support makes it all happen. Thanks to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me this week. Be back next Wednesday with another hour of Case Closed. Case Closed.